All right. Uh, welcome to this week's Insight or Divorce Insight uh, podcast. To this uh, week's for, um, issue is called Mad Hatters and Family Law Hell. And I'm Dave Johnson, the managing partner at Johnson Marquez Legal Group, and I'm with uh, Zach Chapman, well, one of our associates. And today we're going to be talking about uh, what happens when you get a Mad Hatter on the other side. You know what a Mad Hatter is? Okay, I got a couple guesses. <laughs> you can name a few opposing parties. Yeah, probably so. Uh, well, a Mad Hatter comes from, uh, I guess it's most famous from coming from Lewis Carroll's um, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Um, it was a character in, in that. Uh, but before that, it, it was actually a common, mad as a hatter was the phrase. And it, and it basically it comes from the fact that um, people who made hats in the 1800s worked with mercury in making these felt hats. And so they, the mercury in the, the process turned the people who made the hats crazy due to the neurological damage. <laughs> so uh, it kind of fits the subject today. Yeah. <laughs> Makes um, a lot more sense. Yeah, so that's a mad hatter. And uh, sometimes you feel like you've got one of those on the other side, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, what does that look like? I mean, tell me what I'm talking about when we say we've got somebody on the other side uh, who's mad as a hatter. Well, you know, kind of what I always think of is, uh, I guess the other saying is hell hath no fury, um, right. you know, type of one. Um, but it just becomes drawn out. I mean, I think we actually got one now. I mean, really, just you and I together on a case. Uh, it just becomes miserable. I mean, you have people fighting. You have... Every little thing is blown up. It's contentious. It gets nasty. It gets expensive, drawn out, brutal, ugly. I mean, there's so many words you can really put to it. It's just, it, it's one of those cases that kind of takes the joy out of it, and you hope that it's the other side that's the Mad Hatter, not your own client. Because um, if not, then you usually have some come to Jesus moments with them. But uh, it's just an interesting experience with everything is going to be contested yeah i mean i i uh, i agree with you and i know which case you're talking about <laughs> uh it, it's unfortunate because uh, yeah every once in a while somebody on the other side or maybe even your own client uh just is not at a point mentally where they're ready to move on right. and they are bent on causing destruction everywhere they possibly can there's not a whole lot the law can do to stop them either right if they're on, if they're on point, there's not much you can really do. Right. I mean, even though they, even though they may lose a motion and get it sanctioned with attorney's fees, right. they can come back the next day with something new, right? Yeah. Probably, unless the courts told them they can't. I mean, well, I mean, and how many times do you see that order come down? Not often. Yeah. I mean, I can't even think of one time that I've seen a court. I know that it's out there somewhere. Right. But I've heard that uh, you know a court can order people not to come back. Right. But uh, that's probably a violation of their constitutional rights, to be honest. Right. Um, but yeah, these these uh, I have to say that that we tend, in my experience, we tend to get that type of case midway. Um, yeah. You know, we, we pick up those cases from other lawyers. It seems to me, um, we oftentimes have clients um, who are unreasonable, um, emotionally, you know, driven. They're they're emotional decision makers, um, but. In my experience, we're pretty good at managing that. But a lot of times we get we walk into the middle of a case where where things it's just too late, right? I mean, these two people hate each other, or one person just feels like they have been personally destroyed, and by God, they're gonna they're gonna do it right back, right? Yeah, absolutely, they are going to 
get even, and then above sell. All right. So what do these what do these bad hatters do? I mean, uh, what what are they what how do they cause such uh, catastrophe in a in a in a case? Yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of different ways. I mean, probably one of the most common ways is where they just make the litigation expensive. Um, and that could be in multiple forms, but I'd probably say the most common is like kind of already brushed on is they file a motion about everything. Um, father isn't doing, father was late five minutes to pick up the kids. I'm filing a motion. I want to hold them in contempt. Um, father um, made an appointment with the doctor. I'm going to file something against him. Those type of things get, get drug out. Um, or it's just the opposite. Maybe we don't have an agreement and we're just not going to come to an agreement because it's not my way. And I don't think it's going to be happen the way he thinks it's going to happen. Right. I mean, oftentimes they refuse to negotiate at all, really, to negotiate in good faith at least. But sure. sometimes they refuse to even set a mediation because they are not interested in mediating this case, right? No. <laughs> but, no, not often. But, but <laughs> as in most of these family law cases, uh, the judge comes down with an order. You get your butt to mediation, right? Sure. And, uh, and I, oftentimes they go to mediation, but they're really not interested in mediating. And uh, what I've seen them do also is to demand things that they simply can't get. Yeah. You know? um, oh, that's true. You know, uh, one, of, one of my favorite is, well, I um, don't want my kids hanging out with the new spouse at all. So I, I want the new spouse to uh, be barred from any um, yeah. being around my kids. Uh, not going to happen. Right. Uh, I mean, you got to have a damn good reason for something like that. Absolutely. But what I oftentimes see is they, they, they put a poison pill in the negotiation, something yeah. that you simply cannot agree to mm-hmm. because they're not interested in negotiating, right? Yeah. Um, what about making things personal? Um, uh, oftentimes you see somebody on the other side who simply does not want to negotiate, does not want this case to go away, and they want to make it all about the underlying fault in the divorce, right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen that. I think I've seen that more with the... Uh and I'm trying to think of kind of different places or examples that I've seen that, but I know that you definitely see, at least I have, if you've ever had a party that's been uh, unfaithful and that was maybe the underlying reason for the divorce, usually when we're talking maintenance or we're talking division of assets or debts, the one who was the one that was cheated on usually is the one that says, absolutely not, I'm not paying that. He's the one that couldn't keep it in his pants or something of that effect. Um, That's where I see that one the most. I, I mean, you see that, you know, we're all human, and it's hard to, I, I, having gone through a relationship breakup, it's hard to stay rational and um, logical throughout the entire process. So oftentimes you see a client say something like that. I don't want to right. pay that person that anything because they cheated on me. Oh, yeah. Whatever. But it, it, that doesn't mean that they are a mad hatter. It's when they actually say, you know, I don't care what you say. I am not going to pay them. We are not. We're going to go to court. You know, yeah. um, it's when it becomes an impediment and they can't seem to come around sure. to the logical side again, right? Sure. Because I know the people out there probably listening or watching who are like, "Well, I've told my lawyer that." You know, right? <laughs> right. No, um, yeah. It's when you're presented with that and you refuse to budge. I would agree is where we have that issue, which. We certainly have seen. Right. And I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many clients I've talked away from that cliff yeah. um, during a mediation. Well, look, you, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but this is really what's going to happen in court. And do you really want to spend all that money paying me to go right. to go to court on this? Precisely. Right? 
Um, most rational actors are going to back away from that cliff. Right. Um, the other thing that I find uh, that I see with Mad Hatters is that they go through a lot of lawyers. Yeah. Um, because uh, in my experience, they come up against an ethical boundary. The lawyer comes up in, against an ethical boundary with these folks. Tell me how that happens. Well, I think, and that's kind of where, like I said, where we, you know, have to come to Jesus moment with them. You know, if I ever have a client, which I'm not saying that I haven't, because we all have had a couple of clients that have just, you know, for whatever reason, the emotions gets in the way, whatever it is, they just, you know, they're just not ready to move on. Um, you got to have that come. You got to have that come hard talk. This is, this is unrealistic. You can't get it even if we want to. I understand, but we're just not going to be able to get this to happen. Um, so you have those situations and those scenarios, and usually you tell your client, hey, this is what we can do. It does not make a lick of sense to do anything other than this, or it doesn't make sense to proceed down this route you want to currently go down. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. Um, and that's where you usually see the line of attorneys, where they've pushed an attorney to one end, and that attorney just won't take that next step because of something they can't do. I mean, you know, we can't. Basically, you know, as as litigators, ethically, we cannot push something to the court that we have no claim for relief for. And if your client's wanting to do that, oftentimes that's where you have to have your discussion with your client that we can't do this. And what does that mean? You push something that you don't have a claim for. I mean, you know, if if you if, if a claim is frivolous, or I guess the the standard we always look at is I'm going to give you the legal jargon is frivolous, vexatious, or groundless. Um, but you know, if you're telling, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, if the example you had, there's nothing wrong with, with the new spouse, but the new spouse is not to be around the children on a 50-50 schedule. You want us to file a motion to, to request that with the court. That's never going to fly unless this new spouse is you know, sexually assaulting the children or something of that nature. That's something ridiculous that would make sure they're out there. So if you're filing a motion presented to the court in good faith saying that, Your Honor, this is what we request and this is why, um, and you're filing it with no basis or heaven forbid you're trying to make up facts to make this thing fly an ethical attorney is not going to do that and that's where usually you find the attorney, the client going somewhere else and right. having that attorney do it right and oftentimes uh i mean we get those phone calls right yeah. we we have those clients who have demanded something from another attorney and they come in and they say this is what i want to do you know i often say you can't do it sure you know I'm, we're not going to file that motion if you find a lawyer who will file that motion then God help you because you're going to waste a ton of money and a ton of energy going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, just, huh. just dealt with that on a divorce case with the protection order. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, I mean, um, and oftentimes people come in with uh, emergencies that are not really emergencies, but they want something, and, right. and, and what's motivating them sometimes is not uh, the best interest of the kids, but some sort of vindictive action against the, other, the former spouse. Um, what about continuously litigating? I mean, you've got... Uh, You've got circumstances where, um, like you said, people come back for more and more motions. How how is that possible? I mean, uh, what don't they run out of things to file? <laughs> Sometimes you like to think that they have, but um, you know, there's always something to pick at. It seems like when when somebody wants to fight, when somebody you know wants to make an issue with it. You know, I think the one we hear all the time: well, what's the principle of the thing? Well, does it make you? Does it even make sense to do it? It's the principle of the thing. Well, is your principle of the thing worth this? Um, and oftentimes it's, the answer is no, it's absolutely not worth it. But, uh, I mean, you know, they can always find something to pick at. And, and they can try to snowball this thing to pick at into a modification um, or a contempt. I mean, 
in my opinion, and, and, and I always talk to my clients about it, I think the, one of the worst things you can do is file a contempt on parenting time issues. Child support, maintenance, non-payment, sure. It's file a contempt all day long. But if you have a disagreement about something going on with parenting time, the worst thing you can possibly do is file a contempt. Because mm-hmm. even if you win, the children lose. Um, but that's why we have the, the most concerning parenting time disputes, which I know we've talked about in these before. Um, but that's a new thing. Right. Right. Relatively new. Um, but, I mean, any time that CMO wants to pick and choose, I mean, how many contempts have you seen? And I've seen quite a few, and I've been doing it quarter as long as you have, a contempt on a parenting time issue. And it's like, why did they even file it? And oftentimes the big question is, how did the court even grant this in the first place? Yeah, I, uh, I often, you know, when, when people come in and want to do uh, file a contempt on something that's pretty ridiculous, I tell them the story of me being on vacation in Australia and having an emergency phone call that I had to make because my office told me I had to make this phone call. I had to talk to this person. So I find one of those little red booths in the middle of the uh, outback, call the person, and they want me to file a contempt because the other parent sent the kid in the wrong color tennis shoes. Uh, I tell that story because I want to make sure that people understand this is not the subject matter of a contempt citation. You, this is a waste of money, a waste of time, and you're really not out there uh, pushing the interests of the kids at that point when you do something silly like that. No, and and you know, and, and you laugh because the, I mean that situation is really not funny, but it's one of those things that you. Know, We've all seen something like that. I mean, I've never seen that particular one before, but I've seen something that's just as kind of I mean, silly is really the best word to describe it. Right. Um, what about... Uh, uh, how, tell me how... The, I mean, it, it seems pretty obvious, but just so everybody listening um, has the benefit of our experience, what's the damage? I mean, who cares if this person just continues to litigate? And who cares if this person is, is obstructionist and crazy? I mean, how, how is the other side hurt by this crazy person on the other side of a case? Well, I mean, I don't know if the other side does get hurt or then gets annoyed. Um, I think really what it comes down to, especially in a case with kids, is it's going to impact the children. They're, you know, children are not, you know, um, even, if they don't, even if they aren't told, um, they're not as naive as most parents think they are. Uh, I would probably say. I mean, the kids know when something's going on, and they may not be sp- spoken to. It may not be completely addressed. But they, even if they don't know what's going on, they can usually tell something's going on. And that tension that's between the parents that it never stays between the parents. It it, it, it drags onto the kids. Um, I mean, sure, both both parties who are in this case, in, you know, if they're in litigation and it's pesky and it's the Mad Hatter on one side, it's going to cost them both well more money than it probably should. Um, but really, the, the, when we're talking about damage, we're talking to kids. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Those are the innocent bystanders Absolutely. in this process. I mean, they had no choice whatsoever in this. Um, you know, but the, even, uh, I, I have to say that, the, you know, the, the, the spouse who's not the Mad Hatter is hurt, is injured, is, you know, has to fight this person, spend money, spend time, emotional energy. But the Mad Hatter's hurting themselves, too. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not giving themselves the opportunity to move forward with life. And um, they're storing all this hate and all this anger, and they're not coping with it. And they're, you know, and, and they're, um, uh, they're feeding it and, yeah. instead of uh, trying to get over it. Right. Um, so, yeah, lots of injuries all the way around. Um, what, uh, what can people do to get get these folks out of their lives to end the process? Boy, I wish I had the magical answer to that one. Um, you know, there's always tips and tricks. And sometimes, you know, what works in one case 
<laughs> makes it worse in another case. Um, you know, oftentimes coming clean and just saying, what do you want from me? Um, you know, true heart to heart between the parties, maybe that gets it done. Um, sometimes it's something, a shock value that gets it to happen. Um, and the shock value could be something where maybe the court doesn't issue one of those orders that we don't see a lot, but we hear of that are, you know, you're not allowed to do X, Y, or Z. And the, and, and the parents kind of handcuffed and they kind of realize, um, maybe the other parent finally, or the other party finds something in their life that makes them happy and they can help and they can move on that way. Um, cause that's really what it comes down to is it, it I mean, it's almost the, you know, the 12 stages of grief. I mean, the last one of moving on and, and moving forward, they just can't, they get stuck in that rut and they just can't get past it. And something, whatever that trigger is, moves them on. Um, well, I tell you, if you know what it is, if you got the golden ticket to that one, I'd love to hear it. But I mean, I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know if there is one. Yeah, I, I don't know if there there there's certainly not a silver bullet, right? Right. Um, and it's a, it would be a case by case basis to try and figure out how to get uh, uh, get past the Mad Hatter scenario. Right. Um, oftentimes, when I'm confronted with it, I just uh, the great equalizer is the judge. Yeah. And I just say, all right, we're not going to deal with this person. We're going to go to the judge. We're going to let the judge do it, and hopefully, hopefully. The judge sees through this uh, nonsense because uh, they often don't. Um, right. But you know that's that's a, a good bet. Um, I also uh, sometimes will do my damnedest to drag them one way or the other into a mediation with a really good mediator. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, sometimes you say the heart to heart between right. <laughs> between these two uh, people is is a good way to do it but getting that to happen is just oh my yeah, gosh yeah. just like really uh, virtually impossible but a, if you can get them into a mediation some there's some really good mediators here in town who uh and in colorado springs too who who can uh, push people to i guess look beyond yeah. this dispute because they're really looking straight at this dispute and never looking beyond right. it kind of no nonsense approach yeah, um, a, a more practical, like, gee, what have I done to my life and where am I going and, and how am I going to get back to being happy at some point? Um, or they just outlive them. I mean, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, as long as you have minor kids, you're stuck with this person until 19 and usually a little later because you got to do weddings and yeah. grandkids and things like that. But uh, um, as far as the day-to-day motions that are filed, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to bear down and get get through it yeah um if you if you could talk to a mad hatter and like you said we have these clients and you had just a quick couple lines things to tell them um what would you say to them why what's the purpose and what's your goal um because if those can't be reasonably logically articulated I mean, I, I kind of feel that about anything you do in, in, in our line of work. If you can't reasonably, logically articulate why you're doing something, why are we doing it in the first place? Um, I think that's probably the first kind of question that I would ask them. Um, it only hurts more in the long run. Um, everybody that's involved. Um, especially when there's kids, that's where you have to you know, really have that really big question as to why. Um, I mean, really... It, I think I probably would ask more questions, you know, really if I'm thinking about it. Um, I mean, because it's more to get them to think about why they're doing something. Do they have they really thought about the effects and, I guess, the drawbacks, the pros and cons of it? And if they haven't, then maybe point out to them, here's what I see the pros and cons being in the situation. Um, 
And unfortunately, there's nothing that's, in my mind, that's worse than when you have a mad hatter on the other side, especially if it's an opposing party, and you have an attorney who's feeding it and avoiding dealing with it, dealing, asking those questions. I don't know if there's anything more frustrating out there because they know better. Mm-hmm. And you almost sit back and wonder, what is the attorney's reason for doing that other than potentially padding their billing? Um, because it certainly doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and a, a good attorney on the other side can help head off a lot of the, uh, the nonsense and hopefully change the other person's direction. You know, if I, if I could just take, if I could say something to a mad hatter, I'd, I'd say, you know, you, 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 have, you have the ability to do a lot of damage and everybody can see it. You, you really can go out there and destroy a lot of lives in the process, consume a lot of resources, spend a lot of time. This is just something that, uh, for the most part, nobody's going to be able to stop. Does this make you happier? Is this really how you want to spend the rest of your very short life here? Um, it's not worth it. It's, it's much better to come to peace with this stuff one way or the other, you know, move on or forget about it or um, something than it is to engage in the daily drainage of, of these sorts of battles. Move on. Find, find something else in life. Life's too short to, to just spend your day thinking about how to hurt somebody. Right. All right. Well, that's it for uh, Mad Hatters and Family Law Hell. Um, we'll be back next week. Thanks. Thank you.